Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Los Cetas. I'm joined by Harry. Sup. And special guest, Nicholas DeSanto. Hello. Who is a conservative comedian based in London and works with Comedy Unleashed. So I don't know if you want to introduce yourself for everyone. So they can... uh, which camera am I looking at right so now? So that'll be the, your oh. camera there. Okay. Hello, everyone. Yes, this is Nicholas DeSanto, possibly the only Italian-Iranian comic in the world. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and a conservative one, so it's a very, very tight niche. Yeah. I'm not a good comic, so I decided to go in an area where there's not much competition or hardly any. Yeah, no one's going to take that spot, that's for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good, thanks for coming on. But today we're going to be talking about Tucker's supermarket adventure. He visits Lidl. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, These prices, they're so cheap. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. A fair few things to say about that. To be no, can, can you imagine a video, actually, of Tucker Carlson trying to rifle through the troughs in the center of Aldi and Lidl, find whatever crap that they have in there? Pulling yeah. faces to the camera every time you find something like, hmm? Hmm? what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> How did we get here? Yeah. Uh, we'll also be looking at, we reached whole new depths of democracy, because democracy is when we ban you. And um, everyone disliked that, which will be uh, London, which <laughs> the usual thing. But I have an announcement to make first, which is after this, uh, Nicholas will be joining us and we'll be doing Lads Hour. It's now on a Friday because Calvin's on a Thursday, so we do this on a Friday. And um, Lads Hour, for people who haven't seen it, it's um, The View But For Men is one description. Um, shit is another. <laughs> uh, the gayest thing I've ever seen. That was one. That was my mum, actually. That was your mother. Yeah, yeah. No, um, we just sit down and, and shit post, basically. So um, this time we'll be talking about meme politics. And um, this is because I got chosen to pick a topic and, and, and John was like, do that. So I did. So we'll be, we'll be having fun. I was expecting this to be the guilty pleasures. Like the... the that one, because you were throwing that around yesterday. I couldn't find enough. Sadly. You couldn't <laughs> find enough. I'm too proud of all of my guilty pleasures. Yeah. But anyway, other than that, no more announcements. So we'll get into the news. So, Tucker Carlson, he's been to a supermarket. The news was heard around the world in Timbuktu. They are discussing his supermarket time. This is weird, right? Why is this news? Well, I think the media, the legacy media, is still kind of butthurt. Can I say that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not Lazar yet, but because <laughs> of the whole interview, right? And why Why did he do that? How dare he do that? As if they were not, or they would They would have not jumped on a similar opportunity. And why was it so long? And why didn't he interrupt him enough? Why was it me? <laughs> yeah, why was there so much history? But maybe you need a bit of history because the history part was interesting. But obviously, Tucker is making the most of the trip with all these side Instagram friendly or... YouTube short-friendly videos, and he's walked into this uh, supermarket. And I know he's been ridiculed because, yeah, the prices are low, but also the, the Russian average income is lower or much lower than much the American lower, yeah. average income. But that was not just the point. It was also a point about supermarkets being stocked still, which we remember the pandemic times, mm -hmm. the, the, the rush for toilet rolls and all that. Um, this so, isn't a country collapsing. Exactly, because they have been under presumably backbreaking two years of sanctions, but they have kept the chain of supply apparently uh, as it was still as it was before. And um, generally quality of people apparently has not collapsed as much as the Western allies would have wanted. So I think that's the, the, the main point. But yeah, it's, it's a bit silly to say, oh, these are so cheap because if you're having your American cap on. But other than that, I don't think it was such a scandal. I don't think it was so stupid. No, I mean, for people who don't know what we're talking about, um, we're talking about this. This is the video. We'll get back to the video in a moment, but um, the, the context of this is quite interesting, I think, because there's, there's been a series of times when various Soviet politicians, this being Boris Yeltsin just before uh, the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, visited the United States 
And there's just this funny moment every time when they visited an average American supermarket. And of course, back then it was like, oh my God, there's food. <laughs> so yeah, it's just like, yeah. It, yep, yep. And um, the Russians kind of solved that recipe. They've got the recipe for food now. Now they have plenty of it. They so had it for a long time in the past as well, but they kind of it slipped between their fingers for yeah. a few decades there. And we'll we'll, uh, we'll see that, I suppose, because you can see it here in which uh, Tucker visits a supermarket and is talking about yielding times when there was no food, and it was uh, pretty grim, to say the least. And instead, he decided to visit himself and just film it, and it's a bit strange, to be honest, but we'll, we'll, have, a, we'll have a watch. They lock on the grocery cart escalator. Look, Ma, no hands. <laughs> Retail placement here is a little bit different. You're, it's like walking through Macy's to get to Whole Foods. Okay, we've gotten through the perfume section to get to the grocery store. So we're gonna try and buy what a family of four would buy every week, and we're gonna see what the selection is, and we're gonna see what it costs. Now, Russia is famous for its bread, which is one thing I can assess pretty well. The low-carb lifestyle has not swept Russia. Uh, thank heaven, because they, I mean, Just look at that. Stereotype. stereotype. It's fresh, the background there. Look at that. Oh, come on. Mm. Unicorn and mini mills. Right. Also bananas. That's, that's quite significant. Some kind of Russian wheat cookies. Ooh, we need coffee, don't we? I don't know if this is sugar or flour, to be honest with you, but uh, it looks like a staple, so we should get it. It's a very good looking package. It's got to be flour, right? People staring and at this. And this is Russian wine. It's from Crimea, <laughs> which not only has the warm water naval base, but also is the source of most of the grapes uh, in this part of Russia for wine. So it's a bit of good. good general knowledge. Yeah. to that. Cheese puffs. You check out of a grocery store and you've got gum, razor blades, and candy. Actually, they hide the razor blades because we steal them. But these are all seem to be Western products. Mars, Twix, Snickers, Milky Way, Bounty, Gillette, Paul's Cough Drops, Mentos. It's pretty non-sanctioned to me, but what do I know? I went from amused to legitimately angry. Um, so we were guessing what this would cost. Everybody here is from the United States buys groceries, and we didn't pay any attention to costs as we were just putting in the cart what we would actually eat over a week. And we all came in around 400 bucks, about 400 bucks. Um, it was $104 US here. And that's what. So that's him. That's basically it. The, the, there is food, it turns out, in Russia, mm -hmm. which... which is not to be, it's, it's not to be taken for granted in these times. Sure. It's just, um, I've been to Russia many times, especially after the war started as well. And that is one of the things they found funny about us. Where it's like, oh my God, you have unlimited gas and food. And they're just like, yeah. <laughs> when was that? Do you not? <laughs> like I went, um, I'm trying to remember the dates, but uh, we'll get to it later, in fact. I, I went uh, about, about a year after the first time, and then I came back the last August I was there, which was, which was good fun. But the, the main things out of this is that Tucker says he eats about $400 worth of food every week when he's back in the United States. That's the price. And the Russian version of Tucker would eat about $104 a week. And um, okay, yeah, food is cheap in Russia. I, I'm not really sure what this point was, except that well, I, I think prices the, are different. Obviously, the price point is its own thing, but I think um, 
part of the experience of watching this is primarily that the people of the West are so battered, so bruised and beaten that watching local man go shopping isn't mugged or robbed. (laughs) Shop is clean, full of people who are... Not shoplifting. Not shoplifting, and also of the nationality of the country that they're from, um, is a remarkable situation. Maybe. I mean, it seems everyone got something different out of all of this. Yeah, honestly, just to to build on uh, what you're saying, Nowadays, going to the supermarket is quite an unpleasant experience. And when you go, you, you really get depressed when you're struggling with your mortgage and you just realize that your local supermarket is hiding the baskets from the shoppers. Because then you think, oh, what, 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 what does this? This is, this is not a good neighborhood I'm living in. I don't, uh, I don't go to London very often. Is that what they do there? Something happens. Yeah, this is don't, what they're... Okay, oh, don't, okay. Don't, don't tell Zoopla where, where I live because I don't want my, <laughs> my house price to be... But, you know... Yeah, you, you, you go in there and they've built these cages for them. You know, you know there used to be like they can't very even expensive keep the baskets. Spirits safe. Would be, yeah, the baskets. Bloody the hell. Baskets. And you think, why, why did I, where did I choose to buy my. Uh, you <laughs> I can't know, tell if you're joking. What? Every, every uh, forever home. You know, it's, it's quite depressing. And please don't. <laughs> Please don't hit our staff, you know. Well, I think I think that's 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 the kind of you're basically the kind of audience that Tucker exactly. is talking to here. Exactly. Um, you may be used to wherever you're from, Ireland, um, <laughs> being able to go into a supermarket and get this experience. Maybe there's a bit more shillelagh shenanigans going on between the aisles. To be sure. <laughs> um, I'm jealous. You guys seem to be living in more wholesome places. <laughs> Well, I live Swindon. in yeah, I live in the center of Swindon, and it's not good. But Jesus Christ, they trust us with the baskets. Well, yeah, they they at least I know, do not, that. Not where I live. Yeah, th- this is speaking to the London crowd. This is talking to anyone who's in the center of a, a globalist hellhole. Like, imagine a San Franciscan or a New ah, Yorker right, yeah. watching this, where the New Yorkers, where they don't even have proper convenience shops anymore. It's all rundown bodegas where they have to. The guy has to run through the back so that he can get you his last stick of melted butter. Well, every, then, everything's in a cage except the sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine them watching that. That I think this is who he's speaking to. Maybe. I mean, I got from it that it's just, okay, we should probably do some more trade with Russia because we could buy some cheap food, but whatever. I, it's I think what, what he's doing is, is smart, as I uh, kind of mentioned. He has had his two and a half hours serious interview, which whether you like it or not, probably will make history in terms of journalism, even for those who said, oh, he was maybe too soft or whatever. But And now he's just coming up with some side products. And this is what legacy media has not been so good at. He's adapting himself and his brand maybe to people who like watching some this sort of thing. Because apart from the politics, there is a fun or light-hearted element to it. You know, the typical tourist who bumbles into a supermarket in a country where they have a different alphabet. So, so he's got that. And then he's also making some political points. Like, look, despite two years of presumably crippling sanctions, the supermarket is well-stocked, it's clean, no hoodies, and all that. So all in all, yeah, it's not a masterpiece yeah. of journalism, <laughs> but it's, it's a good video. Callum, to, to, to draw one final comparison that you'll really relate to, this is the equivalent, say, of in your Afghanistan video, finding the feminist tra- uh, training manual in the garbage in a back alley somewhere. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's a difference. They, they hate this <laughs> and actually destroy it. But uh, I suppose moving on, I'll have to quickly skip over Calvin just if we don't have time. Um, by the way, Calvin, he's on low, so subscribe. There Sign up. <laughs> but this, instantly, this instantly got memed, of course, because everything Tucker does at this point gets memed. We're in he's, a village of Mania, a backwards pit of barbarianism, according to the leaders of Rome. 
yet the air is clean. You won't believe it. Apparently, the price of grain. <laughs> like, okay, yep, yep. There's a, I see there's the a meme. funny thing with this was a- Apostolic Majesty re- quote tweeted this saying, "Well, actually, this was basically Tacitus." Apparently, it was. Yeah, it was just like, oh, maybe the Germans are right. But I did a little bit of searching. So this is where he was. This is the store in question, and it's in a, a part of Moscow that's, um, if I remember correctly, it's quite a nice part. It's pretty rich. But there we are. And you can go and check out them. This is a bit weird for me, but they have, in Moscow, they have malls, and then there'll be a series of shops that sell like jewelry and whatever else. And I see you seeing that, like one of the mall shops will just be a supermarket, which I, I personally find strange. You don't seem to have that very often. We, we do have that in the UK, like a, in Manchester in the Arndale Center, they have like an Aldi in the big, in the middle of a much larger, okay. um, like a um, shopping center. I'm yeah. not a Manx, so I wouldn't know, but there yeah, we I can tell. <laughs> is that a put down? Yes. <laughs> okay. So there, there's there's the thing. That's that's the thing there, right? Okay. And um, to be sure, there is actually a bit of a weird comparison here because, of course, that's Moscow. It's quite posh. It's a bit strange. Now, for a point of comparison, I picked a, a place I have been, so I know. Um, it's in Lugansk, so it's in the war zone. So you would think it's pretty shit. Um, I didn't know they had spars spars over there. What the what the hell is that Photoshop image? Yeah, that's someone playing around. Um, <laughs> okay. But this one, uh, this is no longer a spa, of course, because once it got kind of nationalized by the People's Republic of Lugansk, um, it's oh, now yeah. covered in flags and all sorts of stuff, and it's a, it's a military place. Is but... it now a spa with like a Z instead of an S? A spa? No. But, a SAR? Uh, maybe? But here's, um, just for my own video to show that it's a place I've been, as you can see, I took some small amount of footage in here. Couldn't find the full thing, so I had to use my own YouTube link. But it's a big supermarket, places stocked, They've got Western brands. I mean, some of these are a bit dubious because this sticker here, uh-huh. it's, it's a product of the People's Republic, which you didn't make Jack Daniels. That how didn't do you happen. Know? <laughs> so, how do you know? <laughs> yeah. Jack Daniel, <laughs> proud Russian name. But the, the rest of the store, it's huge. And it's, it's a huge supermarket. They've got everything you'd want. And that's even in somewhere as bad as Lugansk, right? Yeah. And there's also the, the other side of Russian supermarkets that I've seen. So this is in Triaspol. I'm showing that just because to make the point that Russian ethnic places are very similar. This is a proper market market where you'd have um, this is the center where there's all guys with stalls. To your passport, this is the self-declared independent republic of uh, Transnistria. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But they're um, mostly ethnic Russians. They have the same sort of style that ethnic Russians did in the Soviet Union, the buildings and whatnot. But now everything's run by entrepreneurs who are trying to make money. So there's actually food. And so you have that in the center, and then there are more stalls just full of every kind of cheese and every kind of meat and everything else. So it doesn't quite look like that, just, just to make that point. But there we are. That's, that's a thing. It's much more classic. But the point about the Russian salaries, I mean, this is true. So here's an average Russian monthly salary, according to, what is this, trading economics. So they, if you translate that into USD, it's 791 USD per month, about $9,500 per year, uh, that being the average. Which, of course, compared to the West, sounds horrific. Because how do you live on that? But yeah, yeah, it is much lower. But then you've got to obviously take into account there's some other stuff going on. Because the, the Russian money can buy you more because the prices are lower. So this is where you get GDP, PPP. Yeah, it would be better to express it as um, a percentage of the overall wages that you're spending on goods, utilities, services, food. Yeah, so what can you actually buy with that money? So, I mean, we just go to Wikipedia real quick. You see Moscow there. Uh, uh, the equivalent being 3947 US dollars per month PVP there because you can buy more stuff for less money. And obviously, that's true. Um, it goes bad, obviously, towards the bottom. I mean, Chechnya, right at the bottom there. 
they're on uh, 13,000 US dollars per year, and that's PPP. So they're not doing well, but that's what you get. But obviously, that's the case, because otherwise, how would Moscow not look like Africa if they didn't have the ability to buy more things with that low amount of money? But I don't know why this was missed with so many people. It's like, it's not that there's some shining star. It's not Pyongyang, Moscow, and then everything else is terrible. I mean, yes, things are worse than Moscow. That's how all countries are. But the countryside is usually worse than the capital city, but in terms of wealth. But the situation is not that they're unbelievably poor, even in their own terms. No, it's it's poorer in international terms, but it's unique to a circumstance. So I think bottom line is that for a state that was Russia, that was meant to be turned into a pariah and isolated after two years of war, maybe they are not doing that terribly. And I think that's that's one takeaway from this uh, from this video. Well, their economy grew last year after stagnating. What was it like minus five percent when it was expected to be like minus twenty percent? And then and they, of course. And now they're not in a recession and we are. So it's like, okay, this shouldn't be happening. Like the, the plan was that they would be destroyed economically and we would be fine, but rough. And maybe partly this is also because, again, if you want to um, take a serious angle into this, the importance of producing your own food and crops. I, I don't know how much of it is. We, we saw some, some Western brands, uh, but we know food security Majority has become. Right. And, and one of the big arguments against Russia or against the war was that the Russians were making the Black Sea uh, unsafe for the passage of food, especially the Ukrainian wheat or possibly also the Russian wheat into the world, affecting many countries. And now we have the farmers protests all over Europe. So autarky or being, a, it might sound a bit obsolete, but to be able in this day and age, to be able to rely on yourself for producing your own food, I think is a key factor. I was looking uh, around this subject as well, because a lot of people were responding saying, well, there's no point actually trading with them because the US produces more food than we use. We export a huge amount. It's ridiculous the amount they export, which is true. But then I'm just confused because even with all the government money US farmers get, why is everything in their supermarket so bloody expensive? I mean, if someone can tell me, that's what I'd love to know because I looked up the, the Russian prices and because of the sanctions, their wheat is now the cheapest wheat on the market, for example. So that's, that's another factor, because they're not selling it. Sell it to the local pro, uh, population, prices go down. So at least you are not Whatever. starving. I mean, it's a big country, they are under sanctions, yeah, but as long as you have your farmers, you know, it's, it's not that bad. But anyway, that's, um, that's something people can uh, hopefully inform me about. But the, the other aspect of this, of course, is that, well, yeah, maybe 104 bucks for Russian Tucker to get his food, but this is different, of course. So this is TASS, this is the, the Russian uh, news agency reporting here saying that they did some research and found that 60% of Russians spend half of their salary on food. And this is what a lot of people posted in response to Tucker's video. I'm not too sure about this number, I'll be honest, because I go to Statista and they put it around 30%. Mm. It, so I'm not, I'm not sure I actually believe the exact number here, because being in Russia as well multiple times, you, you don't actually need to spend that much to feed yourself. I'm surprised it'd even be 30%, even on a salary of $700 a month. And uh, also what Tucker, if, if they want to go from what Tucker was doing, Tucker was also filling his cart with a lot of stuff he didn't need. Oh, some tasty looking biscuits. I'll throw these in here. That's not a necessity. I suppose, but I, I think you should be able to expect a little higher than, than Soviet. A certain level of... <laughs> of course. Yes. The point being, I mean, people are right to point out that it's, it's much higher, the percentage of your income you spend on food in Russia than if you live in the UK or... United States, which produces unbelievable amounts of calories. So there we are. There was one other really funny moment, I must say, which um, is him discovering the pound coin <laughs> that you put in the trolley. So then you take the trolley back 
Let me play this. All right. There we go. So I guess you put in 10 rubles here and you get it back. Is this a novelty when in America? you put the cart back? Do they not do this in America? So it's free, but there's an incentive to return it and not just bring it to your homeless encampment. What? Do they not do that in America? <laughs> so my understanding is, I mean, this was a joke AA had, which is you can find out how rich someone is if they know the, the shopping cart thing. Because of course, in the lower class shopping places in this country, of course, you have to put the pound coin in. But if you go to your waitros and such, mm. not so often. In nice areas, you don't have to put a pound coin in. You just get a card. They trust you to bring it back. I guess I must be poor then, or, and only ever visited poor areas, because I only ever remember them having these. Oh, it's it's yeah. very much the commonplace now in England. Uh, Michael McIntyre has a joke, says, uh, well, in his joke, I, I haven't tried uh, Waitrose cards myself, so I don't remember if they have coins or not, coin slots or not. But Michael McIntyre says people who shop at Waitrose don't bother bringing back the cart, the trolley for the pound, because they say, by the time I take it back, my house has appreciated 10%. Yeah, what does it matter? Don't need yeah. this crap. But um, yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, one thing I didn't like is I can see Eva here, for example, who's a nice lady and everything. But she did respond to this video talking about high standard of living, low cost in Russia. And it's like, no, no these, these things are different. The, the standard of living in a lot of ways is worse than Russia. But at the same time, they don't have to deal with scholars or the yeah. problems thereof. So. Well, I, I think I think that's what she might be referring to here. What you're what you're saying is that they they will have different problems, mm. obviously. Uh, but the 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 fact that those problems are different, they're not having to people in the West looking and seeing a place that doesn't have to deal with those problems and seeing that it actually can make things um, a little bit less ho uh, hostile when you're going outside. But I do get a bit bored of this, like, oh, everything's great. It's not. I mean, look, I mean, even Trending got Navalny because he's just been killed in prison. So, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, these are the trade-offs. Um, I mean, Tucker even mentioned this in his interview. He was asked, why did you do this? And they say, well, you know, it kills journalists and whatnot. And he said, well, every state kills people, even Joe Biden's government. So that's something he's come to live with. And then it's a sliding scale. And that so, is true. That, that's a true statement, but that's that's the thing. There are trade-offs here, and it's, it's up to you whether or not that's worth it. I mean, the US, the US federal government has been killing citizens for a very long time. Yeah. But anyway, the high standard of living thing, I mean, that's definitely not true to the US, because, I mean, we can just look up. So this is uh, US territories. And I was looking up the GDP per capita of each state, and even the worst one, I think, I, which one's the worst one here? I lost it. I don't know. Did I got that wrong? Whatever. I looked up, and um, when I did it, it was Mississippi that was the, the worst amount of uh, dollars per capita per state. And that was 49,000 US dollars, which is about 39 grand UK. And this is where I think the, the interest comes, at least from more Europeans and their sympathies to various problems, specifically the English. Because, I mean, here's some European data from 2014. And you might wonder why I'm using this. I'll explain in a minute. So here, this is EU data just showing the GDP per capita of several regions all over the European Union. And of the regions that beat that Mississippi number, the worst in the United States, in England, there are two. Inner London and the city of London. <laughs> that's, that's it. They're the only two. And that, this, that is, this is back from 2014, by the yeah. looks of the figures. So things have probably got worse since then. Well, yeah, they, they've not improved, actually, which is what you would expect, usually. There's, there's the data, and you can see it's uh, PPS there, so that's the... I, I'm well past expecting things to get better over time. And the reason <laughs> I'm using the EU data is because this map was spawned out of it back in the day, and I still find this funny to talk about, where it's like, oh, yes, London in the south is quite rich, and then it's just like, yeah, but there are parts of England mm. that are as poor as Eastern Europe, and that's just true. Even parts that have, say, Greater Manchester and um, 
Liverpool. I know Liverpool's a bit of a meme, but you would expect being a large city, an urban centre with a port and everything, that it would actually having a lot going be, have a lot it. of money. Yeah. Uh, so even that, by the looks of it, in that region there, is not doing very well. Once you adjust for the cost of things, actually your standard of living is about as equal to someone in Latvia, which, which is not good. I mean, the Austrians don't have to deal with that, you can see. The French don't have a single region that reaches that level. The southern areas of Spain and Portugal aren't doing great, though, are they? No. But there, there we are. That's, that's a thing to keep and in mind. And if you're in southern Scotland... I mean, the Daily Mail made a joke back in the day. Well, not a joke. They were kind of horrified. They found out that a bunch of UK cities are much worse off than Eastern European places. And they listed them all here. And I was like, oh, that's, that's annoying. Because <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Money- so the disparity... Is, is quite sharp. So you can have that argument that, yeah, there's this gap between Moscow and other places, far remote places in Russia, but we, or even the US, we have yeah. a similar problem. I mean, the UK is the worst one in Europe. I mean, once you go down to Western Europe, this map here, so the richest places in Europe, London's number one, and then the poorest, overwhelmingly, England and oh. Wales are represented. And the reason being that money that's made in London isn't reinvested in the country. So if you're an American and you make a load of money, you open a store or whatever, you invest in your own state or a state over, right? But if you make money in London, what do you do with that money? You don't build something in England. You put it back in the international markets and watch it grow because you get better returns. And as a result, it's just, it's just not a functioning system. Also, the infrastructure, I don't want to go too, too much of a tangent, you know, but when they ditched a significant part of HS2 recently, if you uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was the idea to reduce the gap between the North and the South because we are the only Western uh, European country where you've got just the capital and outside, you know, the Germans have their Frankfurt and their uh, Cologne and their Munich and the French have their Marseille and their yeah. Barcelona and Milan and Turin and all that. And of course, you need the infrastructure for people to be motivated to move and to, 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 to take their business to Liverpool, Manchester, or wherever. And they, they've done this all over the place. They, they, even in Spain, pe- British people go on holiday in Spain. You can see this is a relatively vast country by European standards. In, in a couple of hours, you can go all the way from the capital down south or further. In Italy, they all have these high-speed railways, and, and Britain just decided to ditch its own project. Yeah, on HS2, I believe it was, because I looked into this, they've spent um, upwards of 90 billion, possibly upwards of 120 billion uh, pounds on it so far because they've been trying to dig lots of it underground. A lot of that has been going towards the underground efforts, but also a lot of it's been like one of the things that was found that they were just taking 60 grand and donating it to a random charity for Bangladeshi men for some reason. Um, And then they said, this isn't working. We're spending too much money on this. So the whole point of it, like you say, was to get from London to Manchester, high-speed rail that will get you there. I think it was only going to end up saving about 12 minutes on an overall commute. But still, it would be faster and it would be something, something finally being invested in this country. We can't even do that. Yeah, and they decided the part from Birmingham to Manchester has been ditched. So back yeah. to Tucker, because I mean, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of the criticisms of him in this example, I think, are a bit valid. Where it's like you didn't lay out, okay, here's the salary, here's what you can get, and that's that's something you should do. And there we go. Um, but the the UK is is not dissimilar in its uh, f ups, but they're not the same. Obviously, there's different ones, but they're 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 not great because I mean, his video. <laughs> this is a good visual representation. Please don't tell Americans that earning above forty eight thousand US dollars a year puts you in the top twenty seven percent. In the UK, what's that in pounds? I don't know. So I've heard something like thirty something, whatever. Maybe thirty-five. But the point being, like Americans hear about the average salaries that put you in the one percent in the UK, 
This is the 1% in the US. It's vastly That's vastly just vastly. under £39,000 here. Yeah, so there we are. That makes you in the top quarter of the country's earners. So there we go. Um, getting back, because he also did some more videos. This wasn't just the only one. That was the one that blew up the most I saw. Um, the Metros, he's right. He's just goddamn right in this. He shows off one station, which is not representative. You can go and look at lots and lots of stations in Moscow, and they're all as good. That's the problem with this. <laughs> is that, is that it's better than he's showing, I'll be honest. Because this video is just him showing off this one, and I'll play a bit. For yourself. Oh, shut up. <laughs> there you go. How did we get here? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's better than only very metro in the US. Oh, did, you, which... did, you, did you notice that, by the way, that mural? Did you notice a lack of anything, Russian. of diversity yeah, on there? Oh my God, the Russian murals have Russian people on it. But this is... That's a luxury. This is a thing. Um, and it's not just because of the communist era where, yes, Moscow was a Potemkin village in a sense because they want to show off just the internationals. But after the Soviet era, there's no need to do that. No one cares. There's no one following you around when you go walking around. They don't give a crap. Uh, Russia's a very different uh, animal now in this regard. And yeah, no, all the metros are good. I mean, I've, I've been. You can go and see them. I've just got a compilation here. I mean, some of them I just really like. Like this one, I have a person. Yeah, Mo Moscow... Metro stations are world famous for their beauty. I mean, uh, to be fair, they have inherited a lot of them from the communist era, but still you can't uh, help but admire the, the, the architectural beauty, the art, and the cleanliness, and there's, of course, lack of diversity. There's for maintaining it. Like you say, it's an inheritance, but to take the effort to maintain that inheritance is something that we in the West seem to have Yeah, fair done. point. But it's not just the communist ones era either. There are lots of new ones and they're just as bloody good. And that's the painful thing. It's like, okay, we should be able to do that. We're richer. On paper, we've got lots more money. We spend a lot less on food. So we should be able to do things as nice as that's this. That's a Russian naval flag, so it, it must be new. Yeah, you can see this one here, um, but they're not the only ones. I mean, someone made a good response where this is Dostoevskaya. So that's a brand new one. Look at this. They still have like, a. They still have. I will admit here. They still have a bit of the infection of the corporate flat people. Oh, well, this is because it's Dostoevsky. So oh, okay, <laughs> that's well, probably okay. the reason. All right, but this, by comparison to say the new Elizabeth line, that that is more corporate, where it's just bland. Okay, it's not this, and they shouldn't be able to do this if they are completely broke and a dysfunctional system. But we've got to a point where. If it's not dirty and somebody's not urinating on us or vomiting on us or stabbing us, we're already grateful. Yeah, which, <laughs> which isn't good enough. I, I want the West to be better. That's the point. Here. I, I would love for the London Underground to look like this. And, it, and it's not just Moscow either. And it's, I'm not just talking about the fact that, yeah, it's not just Moscow and St. Petersburg. Things have changed. Uh, but, lots of Russian cities are unbelievably nice. Are these promotional photos, by the way? Um, or are these um, taken in the field, so to speak? I think this chap has taken it from some other source. Oh, okay. The ones I took are just talk, walking around. Yeah, because it's it, it's it's, it's okay. also nice to see that they're not horribly overcrowded like in London. No, that's that's a great point. Actually, it's never overcrowded, and the amount of air you get means that your snot doesn't turn black. Oh yeah. So <laughs> let's forget that's a real thing. But the point being, it's not it's not just about Moscow. It's not just about Russia. I mean, we've we, we've covered this with various other, other countries as well. I mean, Poland and Hungary are the go-to for Europe, where it's like, okay, those guys have really nice buildings and new ones. We should do that. You go to Japan, you're like, right, these guys have civilization sorted out. Just on every civilizational metric, they're better. We they should do they that. somehow managed to make one of the most densely populated and largest cities in the world livable yeah. and peaceful. Nice. It's almost as if 
when you have a homogenous society, you get social cohesion and people care more for themselves and for their environment. That certainly I mean, could be something you take I mean, from I, all of I this. Might be, I might be onto something. I mean, my next example was Iceland, which is <laughs> one of the I, safest places on Earth. I love Iceland. God, I wonder why. And um, yeah, I mean, well, Russia... There was a volcano that went off recently there. Well, it's nothing yeah, perfect. That's, that's an act of <laughs> God. I suppose so, yeah. But with Iceland, the argument is going to be, yeah, it's, it's so small. Iceland is small. Denmark is relatively small. But when we talk about Japan or, or even China or Russia, we see these are bigger populations, more or less our yeah. scale of population, or if not more. And, obviously, and they still manage to have the cohesion and the cleanliness. And obviously China and Russia have got a lot more problems than, say, Japan. But they do have some things that are better than us that they shouldn't really have if everything's working right in the West. And it isn't. And that's what I think he's trying to get at fundamentally. Uh, he also went to Zed McDonald's, in case you're wondering. <laughs> but here's so, what it cost in Moscow. Yes, it's cheap. We, we know. And uh, he eats But how food. did it taste? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he does eat the hamburger. And he's like, oh, yes, it is McDonald's food. That's because it's the same. But there we are. Inside that's that's like... his experiment <laughs> of, of going around. And weird that that's even news or something that blew up. And as you saw from the tweets, millions and millions of views on those. I was like, OK, cool. I, you know, I'm one for traveling, but yeah, I, I think a lot of the reactions to this were a bit strange. If someone could tell me why the hell American food costs so much, please do. That's all. <laughs> I would be shocked with America if it's something to do with sales taxes or some kind of added tax that they put onto it in the same way that we have lots of carbon taxes over, I can't over be, here. Their taxes are lower than ours. It's just really well, weird. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the US has to find money um, to pay reparations somehow. Mm-hmm. They've got to find money so that they can give out tens of thousands of dollars worth of loans to black businesses somehow. Might be also green taxes on the if 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 Europe is anything, what is happening in Europe right now is anything to go by. Oh no, <laughs> we're in the void, lads. <laughs> you poison the set. Oh. <laughs> the, the the void did keep appearing right. And oh, no, that's the green taxes, out. actually, Johnson. Yeah, we are we are re- reducing our <laughs> lotus eaters' uh, carbon, carbon emission, emission yeah. footprint. So, so yeah, maybe farmers do produce and they also have to pay taxes to offset their carbon emissions and all that. That can be a theory. I Essentially, I mean, our American viewers will be able to tell us uh, in, the, in the comments and I'm sure they'll let us know. Also, you've all got a bit of a peek behind the curtain here, so feel lucky. This isn't going on YouTube. <laughs> this isn't what normally happens, you cheeky cheeky. What are you talking about? This happens all the time. <laughs> I've not been on the podcast before when we've had to reset the walls. No, it's just me then. I've, I've that proves it. we are actually live. It's because yeah. you're electric, Matt, uh, Callum. You've got a field around you. Well, you're a dazzling personality. Now that the studio is back, should we, should we move? Yeah, should we take a look at democracy? How's democracy doing? Germany's a funny old place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's had some struggles, some would say, with democracy over the years, some would argue. And it continues to. Uh, but thankfully, we know that it's perfectly fine uh, for them to uh, consider doing the things I'll go over in a moment, purely because of the fact that they have identified that the people they're doing it to is the bad guys. And you know that the, all of the rules are off the table when you can do bad things to the bad guys. Because that is, unironically, that's how politics works. Are they trying to kill the AFD again? Um, no, but they might be spying on the financial uh, um, uh, the financials of the people who are donating to them. Because they are now a terrorist organization, because they represent the views of probably up to a third of the population of Germany at this point, because that's just evil. You can't have Germans doing the things. They... Last, time, last time we let the Germans vote for something, do you know what happened? 
but they voted CDU. Hitler. Oh, Hitler. <laughs> right. that's, that's the very last time Germans <laughs> ever voted for anything. So therefore, we can't let them vote for anything ever again. Um, there's a website, and on it is now um, Calvin Robinson. And he talks to you about things that are to do with religion. And he will answer your calls. And you can get 50% off the gold tier at the moment if you use code CRUSADE. And that is for people signing up. And for people who already have non-gold tier subscriptions on the website, that is for three months. So you'll get that 50% off for three months. So sign up to the website right now. Do it. Anyway, moving on. So at the moment, AFD, we've covered them quite a lot. They've had a lot of threats from the various parties and the government in Germany because of the fact they're getting so popular that the government says, hold up, if they're in power, if they end up getting in power, we won't be in power anymore. And if they reverse the things that we've done to make it so that we stay in power forever, we might not get into power ever again after that. If we show them, if they show them that Germany can function as an actual country, then they won't ever vote for us who've ruined the country ever again. It's a convincing argument. It, it is a really convincing argument. And because uh, Germany, uh, in Germany, the AfD has become very popular and they are getting more and more popular by the day. So there have been recent... Um, um, there have been recent elections, there have been repeat elections in select districts in Germany, and as part of that in, in, uh, in Berlin, and as part of that, the AFD nearly doubled their support that they got from the September 2021 vote, according to this article here. Even in Berlin? Okay. Even, even in Berlin, yes. Eslib capital of Europe were like, mm, should we be less Eslibby? Should we give it a go? We'll give it a go. So on this most recent Sunday, because this article is from this uh, February 13th, um, on Sunday, uh, 550,000 citizens were able to vote, amounting to a fifth of the city's population in 455 districts. And the AFD, as part of that, scored 12.6% of the vote. And in 2021, their overall share was only 7%. In one eastern district, Marzen Hellersdorf, the AFD, received the most votes of any party, amounting to 33.1% of the vote. In 2021, the AFD managed only 18.5% of the vote in this district. The, the CDU, the Christian Democratic Union, received 21.5% of the vote in the same district, coming in second place. So they are starting to make some real gains here. That is really impressive. Yeah. Like in a city, you are not usually going to get that kind of vote share, and they did. For a, for a explicitly right-wing Maybe party. it shows there's hope for our London, because their Berlin is our London. I don't know if more than half Berliners have been born overseas, as is the case with London, but I, I'm not, still. Yeah, I'm not aware of what the demographics are in Berlin, but I think the problem with London is the fact that the demographic shift has been so severe that you have imported in a population that are going to continue voting for somebody like Sadiq Khan. Mm -hmm. But, like you say, if it is the case that Berlin has not been shifted in the way it has in London, then that's very impressive. If Even if it has, if it actually has been shifted, that's even more, more impressive. Because it might just mean that it, it, for all I know, that 33.1% of the vote might be the only German people still living in the city. <laughs> that might be... <laughs> living in a ghetto. In that one district, they're all just huddled in there and going like, can we vote for the people that don't hate us? Let's do that. And uh, the article goes on to say there are some caveats. Obviously, it's not city-wide. It's only select districts. Uh, the turnout in the repeat election was much lower. Only 51% of eligible voters headed to the polls, which was a 25-point drop in participation. But it still represents a big step up for the AFD. Of those voters who did turn out, it is somewhat reflective of trends as they continue because the AFD is gaining more momentum. It's getting more popular. And uh, in an analysis of piece that they quote in here, they say, 
uh, it was called a final warning for the traffic light. And the traffic light seems to be a, uh, a name that they've given for the political coalition that's in, um, Red, green, in power at the moment. Yeah, they've said several signs, uh, several signals can be derived for the four major elections this year, especially for the federal government. If the repeat election in Berlin was the dress rehearsal for the European elections and the state elections in Saxony, Thuringia, and Brandenburg, then it failed for the traffic lights. The SPD and especially the FP, uh, FDP have to fear the coming elections. Both parties are among the big losers in the nationwide polls compared to the federal election. Chancellor Olaf Schultz's SPD is back in the grey middle field. It looks even more drastic for the FDP. If the 455 electoral districts are broken down, the Liberals would clearly fall, uh, fail the 5% hurdle. They know this from many past elections, but the prospects for the Liberals, who are traditionally weaker in the East, are not bright. So according to this article that they're quoting in here, it sounds like it's looking bad. <laughs> or the people who've ruined the country. I'll slander, I'll s- <laughs> yep. there you go. And, and, and why might people be voting for the party that says, let's not destroy the country with massive amounts of immigration and demographic change? Well, it's because of the fact that there has been massive amounts of immigration and demographic change. For instance, for some reason, Germany holds um, over a million and a, almost a million and a half Turkish, Turkish people in there. As their guest workers, they will go back. Yes, and that's that's of the people who are um, non. I think they're resident foreign nationals, so they don't have German citizenship. Whereas, if we look up here, ninety-two uh, percent of residents in Germany had German citizenship, with only eighty percent of that population being Germans, because uh, they have no immigrant background. Of the twenty percent of the people with immigrant background, and this is as of uh, twenty twelve that these figures are from. So it will. It's been twelve years since then, so it'll be far worse now. Three million had Turkish uh, origins, one and a half million Polish, 1.2 million Russian, and then Italian. So you can see that, yeah, they've got some EU things here. But even in 2012, for some reason, they had three million Turkish German nationals there. Do you know about the Gusti Beta program? Uh, no, I don't. That's what I was referencing. It's, it's the dumbest thing the Germans ever did. Um, <laughs> they decided, you know what? We don't have enough people working here, so we'll get some guest workers to turn up. And they went to Italy and Greece first. And they didn't get enough. So then they went to Turkey and were like, yeah, no, you, all of your men can come here and they'll work and then they'll go back, right? Genius. And they just they didn't. They just stayed. What a surprise. So, like, Are you stupid? Again, that's the question of, you know, uh, my hometown of, or at least I wasn't born in, in Bologna in Italy. I was born in Rome. But there was once this scandal where our um, archbishop, his name was um, Cardinal Biffi. And he said, you know, you are making a case that we need some workers, we need some migrants. Why not pick them from countries which have more cultural affinity with us, like from South America, Argentinians. They are descent from us. They are Catholics. And, and everybody was like, oh my God, how, how, how can you say that? You know, <laughs> How could you say something so true? <laughs> the, the, the Gast uh, Arbeiter program that you mentioned, they went to Portugal. They, yeah, they, 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 they maybe didn't get enough. But after a couple of generations, the Italians and the Portuguese and the Greeks that they got, some of them actually went back to their home countries because Italy and Portugal and Greece eventually, especially Italy, did much better, right? Mm. So we are talking about this was relatively shortly after the Second World War, where there was such a huge shortage of workers for, for the German industries. But those who decided to remain, being Italian or Greek or Portuguese, they perfectly integrated into the society. So you can see them, maybe they look a bit different or the surnames are still different. But it's a but small jump. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Turkish population, they arrived, they stayed, they were not ghasts. Why would you return to Turkey where 
the economy is not doing well, among other things. And then, of course, they marry from their own country. Then they bring their, you know, uh, immediate and not so immediate family members. And now this is a huge problem. Forget about criminality and all that. They are a fifth column of Erdogan. When the Turkish elections are happening in Turkey, you have rallies between these parties, Erdogan, anti-Erdogan people, sectarian violence or ethnic violence between the Kurds who are Turkish citizens but are Kurdish and Turks who are Turkish citizens but ethnically Turkish, similar to what we have maybe between Pakistanis and, and, and Indians in, in Leicester and elsewhere, but to a greater scale. So it's almost as if taking people who are difficult to assimilate is not a good choice, you know? You know, and I, I, I covered this in a recent premium podcast I did with Josh, actually, exactly what you're talking about with the fact that the Turkish diaspora is eligible still to vote in Turkish elections, uh, where they will all vote as an ethnic bloc in favor mostly of Erdogan. So they'll vote for their own right wing. But when they're in Germany and they're voting in German elections, if, they're, if they are eligible to vote, uh, they form an ethnic bloc that will vote overwhelmingly left wing because no matter what their own personal cultural values are, the left-wing parties are the ones that are um, uh, appealing to their ethnic interests, which is maintaining a more open border, meaning that they can bring in people when they want, they can go when they want, they can do whatever they want. They're the ones that are the parties offering uh, the most benefits to them, which is, as an ethnic bloc, what they're going to go and they for. influence the German foreign policy. Erdogan tells them which parties to vote. Uh, and of course, they would vote for the left and uh, anyway. And the good thing is, I mean, the interesting thing is how we can compare this, for example, to us. How you see some Labour Party is trapped in this anti-Semitism uh, perennial row because they have significant number of Muslims in their constituencies, Labour MPs. So they have to appease to them. Maybe they don't want to ceasefire, but they have to say they want to ceasefire. So, so, so once you are taken hostage by these pockets, of uh, culturally different uh, people, voters, constituents with different values, then it, it's the end of it. Because then you have to appease them, you have to pander to them. You have, you have the same situation Biden in, in, in Michigan, because Michigan is going to be a key state and they have a sizable uh, Arab uh, po Muslim population in there. And of course, he has to, uh, you know, every now and then, they do influence U.S. foreign policy. In, as in, have, in America, it's, it's similar with the enormous Mexican diaspora that they have in there, especially among the southern states of America, uh, because uh, they go in, they become eligible to work, and then there's a significant portion of parts of the border patrol across the southern states that are now manned by people who only just got across the border a few years ago. Who knows how, uh, how long, who knows how legal it is that they're even working there. And then it's in their best interests to support their own ethnic groups and help people. There have been a number of um, cases where border patrol agents who have been Mexican or of the Southern American ethnicity and have helped people to get over across the border. It's almost as if blood is thicker yes, than the ink on your passport. they work in their own in-group yeah. reference. Because I'm looking at this, for example, back at this chart. And it's just like, take these two, for example, the, the Swamp Germans and the Mountain Germans. I think they might have an easier time integrating into Germany than these dudes. Austrians just... and Germans have never got along. I don't know what you're on about there, <laughs> Callum. But They've got nothing in but common. But intermarrying and jumping just seems a bit easier than Abdul Mukbaka from... Well, Afghanistan. I just, I said the level of difference between those two states is just unbelievable. Listen, what does your average German and Arnold Schwarzenegger have in common? Okay, nothing, Absol nothing at all, absolutely. But nothing. Arnold Schwarzenegger has been liberalized in the negative sense of the term. Yeah, right. he, he's he's a lost cause. But I think there's a, my my wife is Austrian, by the way, uh, and uh, sorry. 
No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, I'm, I'm recreating the Axis uh, okay. powers. I just need to adopt the Japanese. Bringing it back together. Yeah. <laughs> the boys are back. But um, Austrians and Germans might have a lot of banter between them, but ultimately, all over Europe, we are similar cultures. And this was the point Nigel Farage was making. 12 countries, when you, EU was 12 countries, uh, more or less, apart from common values and common history and, and worldview, more or less similar levels of prosperity and, and economic um, uh, performance, that would have worked. But then when you decide to go east, no matter what reaction you might get from Putin, and when you decide to or bring in Turkey, Turkey and when you decide to have open borders, so it doesn't even matter whether Tur- Turkey is a member or not, this is what you get. Also, with the, what you're saying about there with the, uh, with the 12 states, obviously, it's not just the culture as well. It's the fact that, obviously, each of them uh, form ex- uh, distinct groups. But between those groups, w- in certain parts of the population, there's a hefty amount of admixture that's gone on throughout Europe as well, where populations are all made up of different, uh, of, of quite similar ancestries. So well, you can... Swamp Germans, mountain yeah, Germans. Yeah, <laughs> swamp Germans and mountain Germans, exactly. So you can say that ancestry binds us together as well in a way that you don't have that same ancestry when it comes to somebody coming from Iraq, yeah, from Turkey or Iraq or, or uh, you know, Nigeria. <laughs> and then, then you have to hand leaflets to them. Please don't rape our women or please don't touch people when you go to the swimming pool. You know, when you have to give out those leaflets saying no lost. means no. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. It, it wasn't a good choice. But anyway, just because we've been, uh, I think we've hit hammered this point home. So uh, that's just the legal immigration, because also, of course, the big problem in Europe as well has been the migrant, uh, the refugee crisis, the illegal immigration coming into countries. And Germany has had, like so many other places in Europe, record levels of illegal immigration over the past few years that are coming to rival the immigration that we got in 2015 and 2016. Uh, the, the illegal immigration, I should say. The foreign agents sneaking into countries. Like uh, police data from last year showed that between January and September, 92,119 individuals illegally entered Germany. And what you've always got to think of with that is those are the ones that we're aware of and that were caught or at least noted down right. uh, that we, we are aware of. So there will probably be far more. That's the ones that don't just come through into Germany and pass through into the rest of greater Europe um, and then come to England, probably. Um, Olaf Schultz said that, of, of all people, the chancellor who was saying about how evil it is that the AFD even exists, was saying, okay, maybe we need to deport these people. Maybe we need to deport all of these people because they're here illegally. But we need to make sure, because he says at the same time, he underscored the need for Germany to take in individuals truly entitled to asylum, which is completely arbitrary at this point. When you say, oh, it's truly arbitrary, truly entitled, it matters. All that matters there is how convincing a sob story (laughs) they're they're selling to you. Because you get people coming into the country from parts of West or East Africa saying, I'm from this country that's currently in a civil war. But how do you know? They've thrown away their passport. They've got rid of lying. Yeah, they've got rid of all evidence to the contrary. So they might just be saying that and they might not even be from somewhere. That's a war-torn country. And once again, my question is always, why is it Europe's responsibility to take these people in? Why yeah, why is it not China's? Why is it not, say for instance, with Israel Gaza at the moment, why is it why are we not putting more pressure on Jordan or Egypt to take all of these people in when the plans are being drawn up to send them all over here instead? Why is why does Europe have to be the dustbin of the universe? 
Well, <laughs> the point is that they want these people to come over here. And when you talk about the great, I, I, I really like this when they say, no, the great replacement theory is a conspiracy theory because none of our overlords have openly said that they want to replace. I mean, they don't have, first of all, some of them do say that, 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 that in, in, in German parliaments, yeah. el elsewhere. They kept saying it on TV. <laughs> they, they, say, yeah. they say we are not, we are be becoming more and more diverse or multicultural and that is good. They say by 2050, Germany will not be a majority white country and that's just good. I mean, the videos are there, but why would they have to, they, they are bringing millions of people whom we know for fact that outbreed us. They outbreed us when they are in their own countries and they outbreed us when they are here. So in Italy, we say mathematics is not an opinion, right? It is bound to happen. It's like, it reminds me of when, when Turkey says, um, the Turkish government says, you know, the genocide of Armenians, it wasn't a genocide. It wasn't intentional. We just asked 1 million or 2 million Armenians to walk barefoot without food and water across the desert for 10,000 miles and one of 1 million of them died in the process but it wasn't intentional you know it was just a byproduct of of, of our decision so this is great replacement theory which is more than theory in my opinion they want these people to come here because they have realized that people with any degree of insanity will not vote for for the left and the, yeah and they want anymore. to demonize i mean this so much evidence you can get. There's footage of Joe Biden before he, before his brain started dribbling out of his nostrils and his ears, uh, where he was talking in the Senate or um, some other federal government a, um, uh, function, where he said that uh, by 2050, he was saying that people of European descent, Americans of European descent, would be an absolute minority within the country. And then he, of course, goes on to finish it off by saying, it's not a bad thing. and that's our strength. That's what makes us so strong. Well, Evidence, all quantifiable evidence to point to the well-being of a country, how safe a country is, how wealthy a country is, points to the contrary of that. Yeah. And, even, and even if it did turn out that people were uh, contributing a 0.01% GDP in boost per person coming in, do you, is that worth being replaced as a, as, a, as a culture, as an ethnic group? No, no, of course it is. And every, everything is worth preserving, apparently, other than uh, white ancestry Europeans. Yeah, European right? people. You know, in, where I live in London, they have recently reintroduced beavers into the ponds and the wildlife of, of my London borough. After <laughs> hundreds of years, they brought beavers from some other part of England and reintroduced them. Okay, fine. But if beavers are worth preserving, aren't Western Europeans? Worth preserving in their ancestral How homelands? How many beavers am I worth? I mean, do, do, you, <laughs> do you have the natural instincts for dam building? I don't. <laughs> no, then, sorry. Uh, sorry, that's the new metric that we're going by. Anyway, uh, moving on again. Uh, so that's why people are voting for the AFD. So then The Guardian puts out articles they're doing, uh, which is literally a panel, a round table of various figures saying, how do we stealth ban them? And then one or two going, one or two, unsurprisingly, uh, Fatma Eidemir, beautiful German name, saying that, yeah, we should just ban them. We should just Don't even stealthily do it. Just ban them. Yeah, just, just ban them. I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be a bit of trouble. There might be some constitutional questions about whether we should do this or not, whether we're allowed to do it, but we should just do it. And these are the people who call Trump a dictator, right? Yeah, but you've got to realize the AFD, um, some of them were caught meeting up with neo-Nazis. How do you know that they're neo-Nazis? Well, because the media like The Guardian branded these people who say maybe German, Germany should be a place where German people can live peacefully. Um, that means they're neo-Nazis because the Guardian says they're neo-Nazis. So therefore we can ban them because 
if they're neo-Nazis, if being a Nazi in Germany is illegal, has been banned since the end of the Second World War. So if we just call them Nazis, it means that they're illegal altogether. Of course, they have zero self-awareness. They have tried to ban AFD at every juncture. And the good news for Germany, because if you see, when you think about Germany, remember, if, if so much white guilt and shame and fear of being white and the empire and the, the British identity has been injected into the youth in this country. Imagine how much worse that can be in Germany because of the history of the Second World War. Uh, so it's, it takes so much more courage and it's much more difficult for, for, for Germans to have their identitarian movement. And this AFD has been doing very well considering that it's only a 10-year-old party. But the good thing uh, for the Germans here is the proportional election system. That means the votes sum up ultimately at state level, but also at national level. That's when, when you have a workable, persistent, and um, solid political party like AFD in Germany, the results ultimately show. Whereas in the UK, we have first past the post. So we have our little reclaim party and reform party and UK party and future parties. But we have this political, uh, we have this election system that uh, basically deprives people of their say, because ultimately your vote is going to be lost. Absolutely. I just want to point out my one of my favorite parts of this article um, is one of these people. I can't find it exactly, but I've got it in my notes here, talking about the Constitution, talking about what the point of the Constitution is. Uh, says, uh, ah, the, corest, uh, the core of the Constitution is the inviolability of human dignity. It is the very principle that is severely attacked by the racist and discriminatory policies of the AFD. So the inviolability of human dignity here, I think, can translate to the point of the constitution is to replace Germans. If it does not allow for the replacing of Germans, it is not constitutional. That is the gist that I'm generating. I am a liberal scholar. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And so what else are they doing other than just saying, getting a load of political pundits to write for The Guardian and say, well, we (laughs) could just ban them. Well, the German government themselves have obviously been toying with this idea, but it looks bad. It looks bad if you say that you're a bastion of democracy, someone that, uh, a place that cares about the voice of the people, the will of the people. That's the whole point of this supposed democracy thing in the first place. It looks bad for them to just say, you can't vote for these people anymore because we, the people in power, say that you can't. So they go for non-political routes of doing this. They can't be bothered to go through the constitutional rigmarole of spending potentially years and years and years in court trying to pass this through and revising it over and over again. So once again, if we just call them extremists, brand them as terrorists, um, then we might be able to do it through legal routes instead. So what's happening here? The senior German intelligence officials and the country's interior minister are plotting travel restrictions and even a potential purge of the civil service to smash right-wing extremist networks as Berlin's traffic-like coalition struggles to fight a rising tide of nationalism and public uh, content, according to the European Conservative. The so-called act of defensive democracy envisions a beefing up of the Office for the Protection of the Constituents Authority and was announced Tuesday by the Special Democrat Minister Nancy Faeser, who has written for far-left Antifa magazines in the past alongside... Uh, yes, an expert on extremism. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> she is one. She is one, so, yeah. you know... you, <laughs> you got to give her that. Uh, I mean, you've got to be one to know one, I suppose. Alongside BF, BFV Chief Thomas Haldewang and Holger Munch, 
president of the federal criminal policy. I'm not. These German. are made up names. These are uh, <laughs> this is not the real names. Holger Munch, Munch, om nom nom. We should treat right-wing extremism networks like organized crime groups, according to Faser. Germany has already defined oh, yeah. the uh, alternative for Deutschland, AFD party, as falling into the category of right-wing extremism. So because we say that you're neo-Nazis and right-wing extremists, therefore you are our intelligence agencies, have you on a list as right-wing extremists? So you are. And its youth wing, Young Alternative, was deemed extreme right-wing by a federal German court only last week. This definition already gives the BFV the legal right to spy on the party and its members. To protect Germans from internal and external actors who manipulate the free formation of opinions among people in our country, the plan envisions... We will ban free-formed opinions in our country. (laughs) Exactly that. The plan envisions monitoring of internet sites and the authority to order the taking down of offensive material. That's right. A key part of Faser's plan is surveillance and disruption of finances of right-wing extremists, or as the Interior Minister put it, we want to destroy right-wing extremist networks, deprive them of their income, and take away their weapons. So this neo-Nazi meeting that they were supposedly involved in also featured some relatively high-profile German entrepreneurs and businessmen. So I would assume this would mean shutting down their bank accounts or confiscating their finances until they agree that they won't be associated with the AFD anymore, or just putting them in prison, because, oh, you're funding right-wing extremism, therefore we can imprison you. So it's a, it's a pattern that we are seeing all over the West, right? In in maybe different contexts, but the pattern is the same. We had the truckers in, in Canada having their bank accounts blocked. We had Nigel Farage's debanking story here, and we have this. Uh, of course, Germans have maybe more experience at, at, at this. They, they had All of us remember Angela Merkel's meetings with um, Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. right? Because they, the, the, the lack of self-awareness in these um, people, because it's never us who are traitors and ruining the country and therefore people go to vote for Brexit or Trump or uh, AFD. It's always, well, maybe we didn't get our message well enough, or maybe it's the Russian it's the boss, or maybe it's wrong. Facebook. It's 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 misinformation and disinformation. So they go after Facebook and platforms and and try to debank them. Uh, but uh, ultimately, if you ban AFD, and I'm sure they will do their best, or to do all these uh, other I mean, sly tactics. If if they're being branded a right wing extremist group, being observed by the intelligence agencies. And you as an individual, not even necessarily a financial actor, not a businessman, entrepreneur, you as just um, Mr. Krautsman who doesn't want Germany to be, turned, <laughs> to be completely turned on its head and want to support a party that will try, that will try to fix the problem. You don't want to become a minority yeah. in your own country. You don't country. want to become a minority in your own country. You throw a few marks over to them or a few euros. Um, and then all of a sudden you're getting your bank account confiscated yeah. from you because you're supporting right-wing extremism. Does Mr. Krautsman amuse you? It does. Mr. Holderwang and Krautsman are, are good names. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Um, so you are right. This is a massive trend that we're seeing, and it's because of the fact that the financial networks are so inculcated within the ruling class. And I don't think necessarily that they um, would even acknowledge if you called it uh, hypocrisy, because the rule that they're applying is it's, dem- it's democratic when we do it. When we ban the opposition, it's because we are the embodiments of democracy. You are the embodiments of not democracy. You're not part of our ruling class. So if we financially punish you, if we imprison you, that's because we're protecting democracy. That's the way. In Italy, we say the law 
is uh, applied to the enemies and interpreted for the friends. Yes. The law is applied to the enemies, but interpreted for the friends. So all it takes is to label you right wing or or you know the the security acts or the by the powers given enabling acts you know and it just just again in the, in the US they're using this two century old um amendment to call Trump's uh, behavior insurrection like a bunch of people walked into the congress none of them armed nothing happened one of them got killed the only one who got killed but that was an insurrection uh, so that so that's that that's the interpretation uh, which is convenient to, to, to them. Um, here in the UK, you know, we, we, we've heard fears of, you know, National Security Act being used or are being actually effectively used against people who want to pray outside an abortion clinic or, or, or protest the outside grooming gang trials. And again, in Germany, all it takes is that for you to say, hey, maybe in Germany, the official language should stay German and we don't want to be a minority in our ancestral fatherland. Okay, how about that? And then suddenly you're uh, worthy of being debanked or even worse. So, 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 so they're, they're interpreting the law in the manner that is convenient to them. But the question is, if 30% of the population have the intention of voting for AFD, where would they go? I, I they, they wouldn't is, go anywhere. I, I think it's more close to twenty percent, but that's still almost a, that's still mm. a fifth of the population. Yeah, and of course there might be a lot of shy AFD voters, and of course this might galvanize them and catalyze their their support. Because if you consider the amount of propaganda and the the amount of brainwashing and indoctrination of the youth, and still after decades <laughs> of this, and after giving easy passports to all these migrants who are obviously almost always default leftist voters. Uh, and still one in five is considering to vote for these pariahs, these neo-Nazis, these uh, <laughs> uh, alt-right and, and far-right people. It is still uh, quite a massive achievement. And of course, thank God for their proportional system, which means actually those votes can potentially translate into something, something which we, as I said, in, in the UK don't have. Well, on that Absolutely. note, yeah, time to move on. Bloody hell, we have a lot of video comments, it turns out. I will be quick and brief. Right. Everyone disliked something this week. It was terrible. I, I think we can all find a moment of unity in just everyone, and I mean every part of British society, just kicking and beating a certain decision around names that happened in London. I'm right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. going to enjoy. Right, before I go on, I'll mention something everyone liked instead, which is, of course, Father Kelvin. He has come to Lotus Eaters. You subscribe, you get access to Father Kelvin. His premium show is on lotuseaters.com. He's called Father Kelvin. He's on lotuseaters.com. And if you sign up to get gold tier, you get 50% off if you use the code CRUSADE. 3,000 new subscriptions and will force him to grow his afro back. Can't do that. <laughs> oh. Legally not part of employment law. Damn. Right, is that enough shilling? I'm not going to put an ad roll in the middle of that. All right, let's go. Let's move on. Let's, let's get to this. This is the decision. Everyone despised. So, BBC News... London Overground, new names for its six lines have been revealed. The Liberty Line, the Lioness Line, the Mild May Line, the Suffragette Line. The, the Monkeypox line. line. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Windrush Line that's uh, been conveniently cut off there. Um, I think I'm right in saying... Oh, no. oh it's London fashion. <laughs> oh, it is as well. Uh, everyone fucking hated this. Just nobody. Nobody was happy. Everyone was just like, kill yourself. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> what are you doing? The Liberty Line? Where does that come from? Lots of people were coming up with their own names. And Liberty was the, sorry, it was the best of them. 
The only, yeah, the only not one so uh, uh, disgusting one. And this this isn't good enough. We need the rapey, stabby line. We right, need yeah. the doesn't run on time line. Yeah, I hate Sadiq Khan line. I, I mean, at this point, I'm I'm glad we don't have the George Floyd line already. Oh, uh, yeah. Because this is the thing. This is the bad news. And then, and it's just so true. It's just so true. Look at, look at this. I'm embarrassed. I'm frankly embarrassed. Because the thing is, this isn't a joke. They've done this now. This has been unveiled today. And of course, everyone's got their own ideas of how we could fix this. And you've got this guy's like Churchill, Nelson, Thatcher, Austin, Lovelace, and B. Harry? Is that you? Um, <laughs> I do be Harry. You do be <laughs> Harry. But there's lots more. I mean, this guy's just like, oh, you know, I prefer for you some kings. Yeah, king names. Yeah. Some other guy who's just like, you know, 40K. So, <laughs> <laughs> And the thing being, um, literally bloody anything would be better. Let's all agree on that. Yep. We don't have to agree on the specific the, the line. The bubonic like. plague line would be better. Yeah, the I shat my pants last line line <laughs> would be more fun. I mean, literally, if someone the, was just... <laughs> the bloody hell that vindaloo last night line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw someone who renamed it to just beer, cider, wine, vodka or whatever. It's like, yeah. Anything. It's just a very Orwellian move, right? It's all about naming and renaming. That's what they did in the Islamic Republic of Iran. That's what they did in, in China under Mao. And that's what Orwell says, right? Every name has been changed. Every poster has been turned. I, every statue has been brought down. I would change the lines to the names of Iron Maiden songs. Then I would be better. those like the two minutes to midnight line. Yeah. But I think it unified everyone who's punching the crap out of this Twitter post in the sense of just anything, anything. Just name the colors. The, the, the red line, the green line, the yellow line, that would be better because this, this is just awful. I mean, the summation here from, from Drudka. <laughs> Britain is finish line, fuck you, long line. You should immigrate line. It's so over. We hate you. Uh, Windrush keeps its name. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason. Well, we because Windrush already sums it up. Yeah, it, it is already yeah. just, yeah, <laughs> that's all that is because um, even the brands, the endless brands on Twitter are joining in with uh, literally name it anything else would be better. Man see? puts full whisk in mouth on come dine. <laughs> <laughs> what a sad little life, Jane. I was, yes, I was waiting for that one. You have no authority here. I have my fish and then a rice cake. These For Americans, these are all classic British TV moments. We're just normal, innocent men. That one. I can't believe a brand Twitter account managed to get a giggle out of me. Yeah. I'm ashamed. This is Curry's as well, which um, foreigners, they sell TVs, right? We also have Dave. He's a TV channel um, who just came out with Bob Mortimer jokes. Which, yeah, that, that would be better. I mean, even they ratioed the BBC, I think. Oh, no, almost, almost. Dave. I would have preferred, if, if they'd gone with classic Top Gear episodes, which is all that I <laughs> used to watch Dave for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tonight, <laughs> I take the Windrush line and get stabbed. <laughs> anyway, but this reminded a lot of people of other old memes, people with AIDS plaza. <laughs> <laughs> is that a meme? I don't know, actually. Is that real? Let's give it a Google search. I want to know. Because <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a Photoshop, but we are in clown world. John, Let's pull that up. <laughs> Does the mild May line go through people with AIDS plaza? I mean, maybe. I, mean, I think monkeypox plaza yeah. line would. I just, I, 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 the thing is, I can actually imagine that being a real thing in the United States somewhere. The people Ephemeral... with AIDS plaza. Oh, God, was what? that real? Honorific <laughs> street know. name near City Hall that commemorates a plague. What? New York. Unless, you, unless New York. you know where to look, it's hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 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 Oh, you know, how do you get AIDS? Well, there's two ways. <laughs> 
So you're getting AIDS there? Anyway. Not even, not even people who defeated AIDS or people who cured AIDS or people who have AIDS. I and mean, that's, that's, that's yep. and enough of an accomplishment <laughs> to be to be celebrated now. They're the real heroes. <laughs> not the people trying to cure AIDS, but the people who haven't. Anyway, but um, I did love the best one out of this, which is, that'll teach you, Gordon, the stunning and brave controller said. You don't run the Bakerloo line anymore. <laughs> it's the George Floyd bottom surgery Hamas line now. <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. That is fucking mental. <laughs> that's great. Oh, I'm going to swear because I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> Windrush. That's the worst one. I think we can all agree on the second point of punching. That this, this is the worst one of the list. The Liberty line? Okay, clearly. Wait, when, did, when did Khan put his pronouns in his bio? Oh, it doesn't matter. God, did he? It, it, look, it does. Oh, God. <laughs> Why? <laughs> clown mayor for clown world. But like, okay, let's let's go through them real quick, shall we? All right, the liberty line. We don't use the word liberty in England. It's freedom. Liberty's a French word or an American one because, you know, they supported you in your rebellion war. So there we are. That's just foreign. That doesn't make sense. The lioness line. That's over the, the women I mean, who play football. This is, again, part of this religion of state ideology thing i mean i i i have a confession to make uh i you watch, watch women's, women's as long as italy's playing i mean <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh right yeah yeah okay i'm not saying like it's, uncles it's not the same <laughs> tennis. is it is it that no it, well no, no, no you are italian so the thing is i acknowledge it's not of the same quality but people you might watch your kids playing football and it's not of the same quality of you know men's world cup yeah and it's fine but the yeah, that's fact why that i tune out pardon <laughs> i said that's why i tune out <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is they have turned this into one of the sacraments of this religion of state thou shall play football if you're a woman and thou shall love women's football if you're a man otherwise you are a bigot okay and they they lost the final if what about the three lines? I don't like them because of all the kneeling and all the wokery. But Please. they they made European final, which is far more bigger an achievement considering the level of competition in men. It's a good point. Not only is it cringe and propaganda, it's also they lost. They're losers. They, they suck. I mean, I, I think in France, I, I don't know where it comes from, but there is a Stalingrad line in France, which I always again found weird because it's like this is clearly the commie French aspect coming out. Otherwise, why the hell have you named it that? There's a Stalingrad street in, in, in the um, city of Bologna where I graduated. But of course, uh, they commies. think... Of course, yeah. Of course, yeah, the, the commies. Biggest, <laughs> biggest Western Communist Party in history yeah. uh, had their headquarters there. But the question is, uh, if, if you want to celebrate some, someone, at least celebrate the winners. Okay, making final... <laughs> at least Stalin won. Is, is, <laughs> Ultimate, yeah, yeah. What about the men's? What about three line? What about yeah. other sports? Why, why, why have we decided that the state must favor women who play sports? Okay, fine, but one particular sport with such vehemence. It's the crap one as well. But it's not just them, as you can see here. The Mild May line celebrates the Mild May NHS hospital during the AIDS crisis. Okay, and as you can see... So, the, so this is the people with AIDS line. Yep, this is the people with AIDS line. <laughs> Starts in Richmond. <laughs> also, diversity front and center on almost all of these images. Do you notice what happened to the nurse as she got younger? She, as she, she became smaller. <laughs> she, she became a Netflix actor at the end of that. Um, we have the suffragette line. Oh, just huh. Shut up. Or the domestic Shut terrorist up, you line. Shut up, terrorists. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
These are not the these are the terrorist group of the women's right movement. The Biden voters line because uh, oh, sing, single moms. You got community notice. Oh more. my god! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just he got one of the people isn't even a suffragette. Okay, right. I, I, I love that he got actually on his own post. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying? No, I'm. I'm just saying. Uh, when, when you look at the single moms army who votes for oh, the God. likes of Joe Biden to get benefits, uh, and they, oh, I can do it without a man, but the man is Joe Biden or the state or other, all other men who are paying taxes at gunpoint so that you can raise your oh, kids I without a man. I wouldn't want Joe Biden to look after my kids on the weekend. <laughs> no, who who would? What's Especially the if their hair smell nice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next line? Well, it's the textile trade. Oh, that sounds normal. Oh, it's uh, shaped by centuries of diverse mo groups of no, migrants. What? what? Okay, go away. Trash in the bin. Don't care. And then the so, wind. They've line. injected diversity even there. It's not like yeah. like London didn't have a textile industry before mass migration. No. Um, if you ever look at industrialized Britain, you know the mm. kids with their hands. In you the guys machine. were all naked. You we, didn't have any clothes. Well, we were also all blacked up apparently <laughs> because our hands were getting destroyed in well, the machines. I mean, Lancashire, heart of the industrial revolution, lots of coal. There we are. So they probably were. It makes sense now, doesn't it? Maybe Sadiq Khan's research is just a, a bit blind. He found some old <laughs> images of black-looking men. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God. But then the Windrush one. I mean, this one, this is the pure propaganda line. Because, of course, as we've described before, the Windrush is just the Mayflower for these people. They believe this is the start of Britain. The, the, <laughs> the English are the Indians. And then the, the Windrush turned up and centuries more of immigration has, has made the new Britain, the actual thing mm. that matters. And the Indians, you know, the English, they'll die out eventually. So they invented the steam engine and the Industrial Revolution. Also colonized <laughs> India for, for Britain. Well, they come after all that. So they're, they're pure and innocent, such people, who deserve your money. Because that's, that's what we're going to get to. So the British colonizing India and most of the, and a lot of the landmass of the world, that was kind of like intertribal Indian warfare <laughs> in North America. Is that the comparison we're making? Maybe, but you can, um, you can see how this goes through Peckham as well. So a lot of people are making jokes. One ticket for the Windrush line, please. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do you need the stab vest, you will need the noise-canceling headphones. Or noise blockers in that case. Um, I thought this was a joke, but as you can see, today it was unveiled. This is now reality. This is, this is what London is now. This, they've actually gone ahead with it. They didn't put it as a PR thing. They just did it because they knew they wouldn't get away with it otherwise because what the F is this? And it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I just want to make the point. I mean, the Mayflower in the US, obviously its usage did quickly become something you put on coins and stamps. I missed it there. There are some coins and stamps with it on in this Wikipedia article somewhere. And oh, that, there we go. Yeah. And you remember that coin that diversity built Britain? So we've got that. We've got that version there. There's the stamps. I mean, it won't be long until the, the, the Windrush line is, is not just something you find occasionally, but on all of our coinage, the celebration of New England. Do you reckon this is a push to get people to stop using physical, uh, physical <laughs> currency? <laughs> if they're so disgusted at having to yeah. touch the diversity-built Britain coins, it's gonna be oh, in your I'll just use my card yeah. instead. Also, the drive for diversity in aviation industry is maybe an attempt to put people off flying to to set off their carbon footprint. I'll get a dinghy instead this time. <laughs> yeah. But in case you're wondering, um, yes, this, this is literally just to punish you, uh, to rub the right's nose in diversity as they would have been put. Yeah. yeah, you can see this. This is a Guardian article. I'll take the quotes from here. They say, the Windrush and Suffragette line were explicitly chosen to big up multiculturalism and feminism, respectively. Open brackets. The fact that the suffragettes were seen in their time as terrorists has been pleasingly airbrushed from history. Well, the right bombings have. Yes. Mm. Yeah, those the bombings. Author, 
of this piece is just so like, maybe in 20 years we will have the Hamas line as well. Because... <laughs> God. But they're they're open they're openly oh. Whitechapel stop. <laughs> Absolutely. John, John Elledge. There we are. That's uh that's the man who's happy that we're ignoring all of those terrorist bombings. Yeah, I I do love the idea that not only will they have I don't know if you've been to Whitechapel, you know they have the have, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I've seen also the pictures, speaking of the uh, the, the metro stations. They'll also have that hadith. You know, from the Hamas charter? Oh, no, I haven't noticed that yet. <laughs> okay. So that when the, the people who don't know, in Hamas's charter, one of the lines is that it's a quote from the Hadith, which are the sayings of the Prophet. And it says that judgment day will come when the Muslims fight the Jews and the uh, Jews will hide and the trees and the rocks will shout out, Oh, Muslim, oh, servant of Allah, there is a Jew behind me. Come and kill him. And it's like, well, that's pretty explicit. And and that is that's an official part of the... That's in the charter of Hamas. Okay, but where did you see the charter in Whitechapel? Oh, I'm saying one day they'll oh, have it. Yeah. Okay. That, <laughs> speaking of clown world, you know, the, the, the border between real and fiction. Or... Yeah, we'll have Sadiq Khan unveiling it like this. <laughs> just like... But, you know, when you think about it, they're openly goading half the population. Maybe in London it's not half yet. Maybe it's 40%. Yeah. Uh, I mean, confirmed but, by The Guardian. That's the but, point, but transport is something supposed to be apolitical, right? Everybody uses that. So why would you go after very divisive? I would say stupid, but even if you are not uh, of the same opinion, why would you go and try to openly goad and taunt and provoke well, half not, the population? It's not goading, it's a victory. That's the thing. I mean, it's, it's like the Soviets in Kaliningrad. You've got rid of the Germans. Now you're going to rename all the streets and everything. Yeah, that's, the, that's the Aurelian thing that I was saying. So, so the, 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 the Hamas flags or Palestinian flags are everywhere in London. The pro-Palestinian rallies or pro-Hamas rallies have become a weekly fixture. And renaming, bring down the statues. They are rewriting. And then, then they wonder why people are uh, you know, upset and they yeah. go to vote for, for the so-called far right. So I'll end this off quite quickly. Just real quickly, um, the Irish didn't get a mention, of course. In case you're wondering, more Irish came in the 50s than any Windrush occupant group. So that's, that's just a thing. For some reason, the Irish aren't included. That's okay. Uh, but this has happened before. You may remember Birmingham did this. The Equality Road, Diversity Grove, Humanity Close, Destiny Road. Uh. Yeah, it just makes you be sick. And um, for people who don't know, this, this is obviously a, almost a joke because you may remember Ricky Gervais did a song called Equality Street, which is where he's playing David Brent, which is the bumbling manager who gets everything wrong. And it's him being like, yeah, come down Equality Street. And, and it's cringe. That's the point. But Birmingham actually just did it. So there mm. we are. That's that. And what happened? Well, they went bankrupt. Like a year after. Because it wasn't because of the signs. They didn't cost a billion each. Although, right. to be fair, money management for these types, I wouldn't be uh -huh. surprised. It's not their strong suit. Yeah. The point is, it's a very strong indicator that the people in charge don't know what they're doing when they start pulling shit like this. Oh, and... by the way, this renaming of overground stations that has apparently cost six million pounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a name change. Mm -hmm. And um, TFL is obviously in the same circumstance. They're, they're tinkering on bankruptcy every single bloody year at this point. And um, that's that. So there we are. That's something everybody disliked. And I, I, I want people to keep up the beating uh, in the sense of hating this because, well, it's justified. Crap. It's embarrassing and something that needs to be changed back. This, this isn't something that should stand. But there we are. Let's move to the video comments. I get to now let's get, get on the straight, okay? line to go home. Somehow bypasses the 
cynical, nasty, gnarled bit of my brain completely and plugged straight into my gurgling, overgrown child. Russell T Davies' history was of writing degenerate homosexual dramas at odds with Doctor Who, and so I've always distrusted him. Uwe figures are highly dynamic and better plotted on a logarithmic scale, showing an average around 8 million in the UK, but writing changes during Capaldi's Doctor led to a decline that even the BBC's new dishonest reporting methods can't mask. Writers have always been woke, but the BBC no longer reigns them in. That's true about, um, not Moffat, uh, Russell T Davis, is that the, those series of Doctor Who that he helmed were actually kind of an aberration with his overall writing career. And even then, looking back, you can see where he's trying to slip a lot of stuff in that just wasn't as explicit as it is now. Now that the culture has changed, he can be really explicit with it. I hate what happened to Doctor Who. I don't know if you have much of an opinion on Doctor Who. But... Um, well, I, I have never been a Doctor Who fan, but I'm aware of the... The decline. The decline, and again, the what is the word? The affront or the degeneracy that they have uh, yeah. foisted on Doctor Who fans, just like pretty much in every other cultural department. They're just right. taking things that people hold dear and just uh, diversify mm. them at will. See, I, I reckon if, if he could have got away with it in 2005, Jack Harkness would have absolutely been black. Someone what? in the chat was just like, the bloody, bloody line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Have you seen that video? Which one? I'll show you later. Okay. <laughs> Two Indian men having a casual conversation. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Yeah. Hey, Lotus Eaters. Florida man Dan here with the heart-hating questions. Who is best boy? Marcus, the year-and-a-half-old German Shepherd? Hunter, the 11-year-old Dalmatian? Or Fritz, the three-year-old Swiss Shepherd? This is a really tough question. I need good answers. Thank you, Lotus Ears, for what you guys do. They're adorable. Well, the I'm, German Shepherd. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the German Shepherd. I was, it was difficult because I love Shepherds, all the different types. Uh, but that one, he, he went for it and he got what he wanted, so I'm going to have to go him. Let's go to the next one. Hello, Lotus Eaters. <laughs> oh, I God hope sakes. you all had a good Valentine's Day. I spent it making a Connor X Calumia OE fanfiction. <laughs> Bad robo waifu, go to horny jail. Well, that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> he pays for the privilege of sending in video comments, so there we are. Get the next one. Yeah, <clears throat> the waiting list for non-emergency surgeries in Denmark is eight years. Hello, doctor, I have cancer. That's all right. We can book you in, in eight years. It's okay. I have private health insurance. Yeah. I pay 38% income tax for the privilege of paying for my own health insurance in case of an emergency. Meanwhile, all of the American liberals are just, but look, I did my treat and they have social health service and it just works so well. Yeah, don't. That's the envy of the world, isn't it? Mm. I'm actually thinking about getting some private health insurance myself because I just, I don't trust that the NHS works anymore. I mean, the few times I've been there just to get something, it's, it's just like, okay. Same here. This is not functioning, and it's only going to get worse. Uh, that hurts. Let's go to the next one. Since Carl's talking about the big cat conspiracy again, has he or anyone else uh, seen the movie Brotherhood of the Wolf? It's a French film about the beast of Jevedon. You know, it's that creature that was in France that was eating all the kids in the countryside. They never really figured out what it was, if I recall. But, um... 
it basically maintains that like the creature was actually being released by other humans to try and destabilize the region and it was all kind of a work but um I do like how the movie unapologetically just depicts gypsies as just a group of evil bastards that deserve any <laughs> violence that comes their way. Right, check true. <laughs> Leaving that there, let's go to the next one. Hello. Out of the authors who pioneered the genre of science fiction, I think Robert Heinlein called a lot of the things with which we're currently dealing. People screeching about their rights while assuming no responsibilities, roving gangs of youths fighting in the streets, and the so-called experts concocting social engineering that is destroying Western civilization. I think we're living in the revolt of the scientists. I don't think veterans are going to fix it, but a good start would be powered armor, classes in history and moral philosophy, and public floggings. I need to read Heinlein. I legally endorse that? Yeah. The next one. Yeah, Carl. Don't worry about your thesis on suffering. I've already got one. Here. And here. But there's also a really, really good one. Here. Here's why. Triumph is born out of struggle. Faith is the alchemist. If you want to paint pictures like this, you have to use some dark colors. Alrighty. Uh, um, Alright. On Bruce Almighty. Bad play. A review of Bruce Almighty, I'm sure, is on. I, I watched it once when I was like 12. Alright. Let's go to the next one. With so many black pills recently, I thought I would just send in a short video to cheer everyone up. So. A few years ago, there was a Kickstarter ad for a real product called Wank Wipes. <laughs> Even though they're no longer advertising the product on Kickstarter, the YouTube video is still available. <laughs> if you haven't already, watch it. All right. Uh, that's something to do in the break. <laughs> All right. Yeah, to, to, to be fair, thanks for that suggestion, Sam, because we are Wank Wipes YouTube. Very black pill. Is there more? No, that was the whole... There's two, two more, more video comments. Let's go to them. It is up to artists of conscience to uh, create television which can be watched critically and can provoke critical thought. I can't help but think that this song by the disposable heroes of hypocrisy could do with updating for the modern audience. The trouble is, I can't think of a term for social media that scans as well as... Television, the drug of a nation, breeding ignorance and feeding radiation on television. The drug of a nation, breeding ignorance and feeding radiation TV. All right. Yeah. Seeing things from the 80s and 90s is so bloody weird, isn't it? I, I think the best uh, expression of that sentiment is um, there's an old image of Frank Zappa where he's standing next to a TV where it's got a funnel uh, di uh, directly connected to a toilet being plugged straight into it. <laughs> all right, that's enough for the last one. Let's do that. Regarding the London Underground being renamed all these ideological terms like the Windrush line, massive waste of time, they could have just called it what it is, the party line. Party line. Party line. Oh, mate. Well, it's probably going to be noisy and full of drugs. So uh, we've got a few super yes. chats that we should read out. I should do the super chats. Maybe party line was a play on words like party line from the Communist Party. Like, That's what he means. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll finish up on the super. I guess I'm retarded. <laughs> we'll finish up on the super. Did you not get that? No, I didn't at first. <laughs> oh. Right. So um, Logan Run says this is better than a like for five bucks. I suppose five bucks is better than a like. Uh, the Shadow Band for 50 buckaroos says have a good weekend. Um, you too. 
Booker505 says for 10 bucks, I watched the report from Al Jazeera's reporter last week about robotization of Moscow services, Yandex robot delivery service and automated robotic cleaning service machines. Yeah. Um, uh, he carries on in the next one on the oh, Booker. He sent in another $10 to say. Then finished his video with the claim that those are signs that Russia is in decline. Of course, no cheap immigrant labor will come to work in Russia, and that's the reason they must go to robotics. Oh, no. <laughs> no right? If we become more technologically advanced, how will we be able to import millions of brown people? No. Yeah, more cheap labor at the expense of local workers. Because Russia has a big immigration problem as well. It's because of the Kazakh border. It's just too big for mm. the material they've got. And as a result, they have loads of Uzbeks, especially, that get in illegally. Now, there has been a quick solution during the war. They conscripted them by force. <laughs> um, but once the war's over, they're, yeah, they do need to fix it. So robots are the way. Uh, Freddy says, just got an LD in my Texas town, and you have to put in a quid to uh, coin in. Not usual. Lived in Bahrain, and uh, no coin needed. So yeah, apparently it's not very common in America, I guess. So there we are. Um, there are no more. So I must end, because I'm over time. Um, where would they find more of you very quickly? You want to uh, yes, sure. My Twitter account is at uh, Nico underscore DeSanto. And my YouTube account is called, my YouTube channel is called Anglo-Italian Comedy. You can check my uh, videos. I've, I've arguably created the only pro-life comedy stand-up routine, uh, which has been seen over a million times so far. And my uh, penultimate routine is called White Men Made Everything. That's a defense of the white man. Is approaching half a million uh, views. So is, go is that last out. one just looking at like non-white inventions and laughing at them? Uh, I'm not aware of any non-white inventions. Then you do, <laughs> <laughs> you do well to check Man, my you routine to educate yourself. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> All right, that's right the whole time. point of the routine. <laughs> um, uh, be back in half an hour. Bye.